0: Welcome to the 71st episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my interview with Daniel Pine, author of the novel A Hole in the Ground, Owned by a Liar. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Daniel Pine. Pine is the author of the new novel, A Hole in the Ground, Owned by a Liar. Pine's earlier novel, 29 Palms, was held as a California noir novel. Pine is not just a novelist, however. He's also a successful screenwriter, including Any Given Sunday, the remake of The Manchurian Candidate, and many other successful films. And Pine is also the executive producer of the new Fox television show, Alcatraz. Daniel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Sure. Well, I wondered at the beginning, could you read the first two or three paragraphs of A Hole in the Ground, Owned by a Liar, your new novel?
1: Sure, I would love to. Uh, this This is the prologue, and it begins this way. A small mountain airport, shrouded in fog, dusted with summer snow. Visibility of about 20 feet, but cold, but no wind. July in the Rockies, what the fuck? Is it safe to fly? Three businessmen in heavy hooded fur-lined coats, waiting, stamping their feet on the tarmac near a slutty red Bell 206L3 Long Ranger helicopter just warming up. Stan Beecham, salesman, squat fit, gym sculpted, hair deprived, slicker than a nonstick pan, squinted up into the cerulean sky, tugged the brim of his baseball cap and made a well-considered and thoughtful downturn of mouth.
0: Great. Well, if the listeners haven't heard about your new novel yet, can you describe what the novel's about?
1: <laughs> I wish I was better at succinct descriptions of anything. <laughs> uh, it, is the, it is the story of two, two brothers, one of whom, in a fit of midlife, early midlife crisis, buys a gold mine on eBay and uh, proceeds to kind of... Fool around with it, much to the dismay of his younger brother who who is worried that his older brother is just going to create another embarrassment for himself and it 's basically the story of these these two guys, um, their relationship uh, they have a kind of murky past and an uncertain future, and uh, in the middle of them in a kind of in a kind of awkward love triangle is a woman named Raina, who sort of falls for both brothers.
0: Right. Well, so two guys buy a gold mine off of eBay. I think most people who know about your career as both a screenwriter and a novelist would immediately ask the question did, did this novel start out as a screenplay first, or did you know from the beginning that you were writing a novel?
1: Um, that's a complicated question. I. I began my career as a writer in always intending to be a novelist, intending to be a prose writer. And I kind of came to screenwriting sideways. Um, I always loved movies. I loved dramatic writing. But I uh, originally I thought I would do screenwriting just as a way to support myself while I wrote prose, while I mastered the art of prose. And then screenwriting sort of became a career in and of itself. So now when I approach the novel... I I don't really approach them in different ways. I mean, I'm, uh, the way I approach story is basically the same whether it's a screenplay or a novel. It just so happens that the novel is a story that perhaps wouldn't make a movie that a studio would invest thirty million dollars in, um, and a screenplay might be something that um, is slightly more vis- visual than a. A novel, but not so. So yes, I thought about this as a screenplay, and it seemed to me that it would be better in prose form. So I I I approached it in that way. But you know, I think some people think some people can separate them out, and uh, I've found that it's better for me if I just think of them as stories, and then whatever method that i can tell that story best with is the method i choose
0: right right well you just mentioned the the idea that you know if you if you write a story that for it to have potential as a screenplay if i understand you correctly it has to have a certain appeal or a wide appeal that 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 a studio would invest as you mentioned 30 million i'm just curious given your success in hollywood and 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 the screenplays that you've written and and have been filmed and and made it to the big screen, and and now that you're working on on Alcatraz, what's the appeal to a novel to you, to to writing a Uh, novel?
1: Oh, it's the greatest thing, because it's the only place where the words that I write are read and processed, unmitigated by by a reader. Um, When you write a screenplay, when you write a teleplay, it's basically a blueprint, sometimes a very detailed blueprint, but it's it's a document that gets a bunch of people to agree to make something. And then it's interpreted over and over again by the actors, by the director, by the producer, by the studio. Um, You're part of a larger collaborative process. But the first time I saw... And, and I I knew this sort of intellectually, but emotionally, the first time that I saw uh, the first words of 29 Palms, my first book, printed in a book, and I suddenly realized that they weren't going to change. <laughs> no, that was it. It was the no greatest feeling. No notes.
0: <laughs> no, well,
1: yeah, no, no one else, no one between me and my intended audience. And it it was an amazing feeling because, you know, I take a lot of Pride, and I I care a lot about my screenplays, and they—I like to think that they read very well. But my audience is limited. I'm like a poet at the Medici Summer House, you know, writing for thirty people, and those happen to be the people who make decisions to make a movie or make a TV show. But nobody else gets to read it. Nobody else gets to appreciate it. They just hear about it. So, writing books is still for me. The, the purest expression of how I think and how I tell a story and how I create characters. Um, and it's also really fun to be able to paint pictures with words and create images in people's heads rather than describe an image that is then shot by a camera.
0: Right well given your obvious love for for novels as you just described it do you have other novels planned or or have you written others that haven't been published
1: i do i have a a third one that i'm almost done with um i sort of i as a as i've gone through my career as a screenwriter i collect stories i collect ideas and stories and things i want to write so having now opened up into a new area, I, I'm kind of excited because some of those stories are gonna are gonna be better books than they may ever have been movies. So yeah, I I have one almost done and another one that I'm already thinking about
0: as I approach right. that. And and I mean not to kind of go back to this this question again, but you know, as you're thinking about these novels do you also have ideas that when you start thinking about it, you know to yourself, like, you know, this is going to be this is going to work better as a screenplay versus a novel? Or, or is it still just a you sit down at your keyboard and it's kind of a, a discovery process along the way?
1: I tend to I tend to break them in the same way. I tend to because because I spent so long writing dramatic writing, I tend to outline my stories in the same way, whether they turn into to movies or or into books um, but yeah I mean there there are certain ideas that seem like they're they're naturally maybe better told cinematically mm-hmm. they're not they're not as dense they don't have the same interior character stuff they it, its it's just sort of a feeling although I have to say that I don't really think about whether my movies are commercial or not either if I if I have an idea and i want to write it and i think it would make a great film i write it and then i hope that maybe somebody will want to make it um and then there are some ideas that i have that i that i think oh you know that's a really that's a television idea it's serialized it's it's got great characters that you could spin a bunch of stories around and then i'll go in that direction
0: gotcha um, well, obviously there there have always been people outside of Hollywood who are interested in the business of making movies and television, and and would probably harbor a desire to work as a, a director or a screenwriter. I'm curious about your own personal story. How did you kind of make those first inroads and those first steps into getting into the business of of, of writing film and TV? What was your story?
1: It took a while. As I said, I I set out to write novels, which I was then short stories, which I was very unsuccessful at, like most people. I collected rejection scripts, Um, but I also um, had—I didn't have a lot of experience with film writing, but I loved movies. And on a lark, I applied to graduate school at UCLA in their film program and got in. So I went, and, and it introduced me to film writing, um, sort of taught me what a screenplay looked like, gave me the opportunity to study lots of classic films. Um, and when I graduated, I thought, well, maybe this is a parallel career, something else I could, I could pursue. Um, and I seemed to have... My, my prose writing is very visual, so I, it, it wasn't a big leap for me to write screenplays. Um, and I spent about two years kicking around, writing whatever I could, working in advertising, um, and then teamed up with another writer who was a friend from college, and we got a break on a TV show. We went in and we pitched to them, we were really nervous, and they didn't like Our pitch at all but they (laughs) gave us an idea Um, and we went away and we wrote like the 30 page treatment for a TV show for a TV episode and brought it back to them and they were impressed that we had spent so much time on it so they hired us to write a script and kind of built from there. I spent five or six years doing television before my first movie was made but I as I was doing television I was still writing screenplays and and sort of chipping away at the edges of of the movie business. And then for a long time I was doing both. I did television and wrote screenplays at the same time. And then about eight years ago I stopped writing television altogether and just wrote screenplays and started working on books. And then uh, in the fall, Bad Robot, J.J. Abrams' company, asked if I would come on Alcatraz as a showrunner. I hadn't done it in a long time. It seemed like it might be fun, so I did it, and it's been seven days a week, fourteen hours a day <laughs> ever since and i'll be i It's been great, but I'll be happy to see it end at the end of the month
0: um and 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 how has that been? I mean, obviously you just said seven days a week <laughs> fourteen it's been, hours it's a day been
1: much yeah it's been it's been much harder much longer hours than I thought it would be. And much the television business is much more complicated than the last time I was in it. There are more people giving you notes, more people who have input. I think the stakes must be bigger. Right. So the network, the studio, Bad Robot, everyone um, is very involved in every aspect of the show, the writing, the... Casting, the cutting of shows afterward, because it's a big investment, and sure. and the payoff the payoff can be great. I mean, it's a business for that. For me, it's still just writing, it's still just just the same job I do when I'm here home alone. But um, but at the same time, it's it's been really fun. It's a it's a it's a uh, an idea that I don't think I, I ever would have had. So it's kind of fun to work on on someone else's idea and and try to help them bring it to a higher level
0: that's great well earlier you you alluded to kind of your writing process you you said that you were kind of uh, if i remember correctly you, you said that you outlined pretty methodically i wonder if you could talk a little bit about what your pro- writing process is like i mean you know what what is that outlining like is it you know how does it fit in in terms of you know kind of writing organically if you could just talk about that a little bit right
1: I kind of, I, I do believe in organic writing. I don't have, I don't have a formula or anything to the way that I write. And I don't have a, a structured day where I get up at six in the morning and write for three hours and stop. Um, usually, if I get an idea like, like hole in the ground, um, my, my own brother actually bought a gold mine not on eBay <laughs> um, in Colorado. And, and I got a lot of ideas from that. And then I had these two characters who were floating around in my head who were looking for a story to, to engage in. So I'll kind of take elements of different things and I'll get inspired or I'll read an article and then I'll start to think about where that story might go. Um, and then I'll I'll just spin it out. I'll try to figure out what the moves would be, what the what the parts of it are, who the characters are and and I constantly move back and forth between the plotting and the character um, in in my mind they're inseparable because your characters are always defined by what they do, and what happens in any story is affected by who the characters are, who's going through the story and, and the decisions that they make so I don't really separate the two out and do a plot and then work on character generally they they each develop at about the same speed and the character will a lot of times tell me where the story goes gotcha sometimes i know the ending and sometimes i don't
0: and and does that process differ when you're in such a collaborative um environment such as i can only imagine with alcatraz i mean you were you were alluding earlier to so many notes from from you know the studio the the network and Bad Robot.
1: Yeah, and television, even even without all those elements, television is extremely collaborative. Partially by necessity, because you're doing 13 or 22 episodes in a season, and you've got to have a new script every nine days, um, and you have a staff that contributes to the show. So, television tends to be, you know, a lot of writers in a room throwing ideas out and. Uh, sometimes it can be it can be great and really productive, and sometimes it can be incredibly unproductive and the The collective voice of the room a lot of times becomes the voice of the show so right. it, yeah it 's a much different it 's a much different process i mean the 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 basics of it are the same the storytelling basics the character basics but right. it 's a much different process plus Plus on a show that already exists, like Alcatraz, the characters exist. So you're writing someone else's characters. Right. You're just taking them in a different in a different journey.
0: Gotcha. Well well given your experience of both prose with your new novel and, and all of the screenwriting, both film and television, what what kind of broad tips or advice would you offer for aspiring writers?
1: For young writers? Yes, uh, for young writers. Or, yeah, don't give up. <laughs> it's very easy <laughs> to give up. It's not, it's not easy, or everyone would do it. Um, I think it's good to, set, to have really high goals and also very realistic goals, attainable goals. So you might, have, you, know, you might aspire to win the Nobel Prize for literature, but first you've got to finish something. And to finish something, you have to write every day. Um, I think, I think the the other advice that I, I, there's sort of two things that I tell everybody. One is, you you should want to do it for free because you may have to. Right.
0: There's
1: no guarantee. There's no guarantee of success. There's no guarantee that what you write will intersect with the commercial marketplace um, or what you love. And are interested in is something that everybody else will be interested in. Um, You know, there's there's Steven Spielberg and there's Jim Jarmusch, and they played very different audiences, and they're both excellent filmmakers. But they, you know, and they both love their job, and they're both equally skilled. It's just a different product, and you kind of don't have control over that part of it. So, so I I always say, you know, the people who succeed in any of these fields are people I think who would do it for free. They they have to do it. There's nothing else they want to do. And then, um, the second part that I think is also really important is try to be as good as you can be. Don't settle. Mm -hmm. Don't, you know, don't, don't think that because you go to the movies and you see a movie that's badly written and badly directed and it makes, $500 $500 million, or you go to the bookstore and you buy a book that's clunky and, and cheesy and it's pop fiction. And Don't think that just because that's successful, you'll be successful if you, if you aim low. Um, I, think, I think it's great that, that there's a, a big variety of, of what people appreciate and what people like, but you want to aspire to be as good as you can be at what you do. Because when you get your shot, you you want to be able to take advantage of it,
0: right? Well, well, I know. I, I in, in researching this interview, I, I I read a previous interview, and I know that with screenwriting in particular, uh, if someone gets interested in screenwriting, there's a huge body of work and, and belief out there of this very what I would describe as almost kind of rigid uh, structure to a to a a screenplay, and I was kind of surprised when when I read that that you don't always buy into that, and I was wondering if you could talk about that a little bit um,
1: i think i I think to a certain extent um, and i you know this is my opinion, and I'm sure I'll be proved wrong uh, I think to a certain extent, the structures that people study and that people uh, discover in screenplays are. Are things that are applied after the fact you look at a successful movie you break it down into its components and parts and you say oh this is why it was successful um because it had this and this and this but right. i just i just don't believe that that's necessarily true i think that that good storytelling has a form to it but that's a form that that can be expanded or broken or or contradicted at any point and and to say that if you, you know, if you have your, I, I forget what the terms are, but you know, you're, you're inciting incident on page right. 15 of your screenplay and your, your big reversal on page 30, that you'll write a successful screenplay is just nonsense. Right. Um, you'll write a successful screenplay if you write something with compelling characters that people want to get to the end of. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um I remember when I remember when my Big Fat Wedding came out a few years ago. My Big Fat Greek Wedding mm-hmm. came out a few mm-hmm. years ago. And for a moment everyone in the in the writing, filmmaking community was kind of stunned because it broke so many screenwriting rules. <laughs> it was you know, it didn't have a, it didn't have act three, it didn't have any of any of the traditional earmarks. It felt like a half finished Thing by any standards that had been accepted, um, and within you know within six months everybody had found a way to f- to show that it fit the formula that they were that they right. were advocating. Um, I just I, I think that I think that those kinds of things are useful if they help you if they help you tell a good story. If if it's a if it's a way that helps you organize your thoughts or it helps you get through a block or, or understand a problem and solve it, great. But I've seen too many writers get hung up on it and they start writing for those moments and they forget that a good story, something happens on every page in a film, every moment of a film builds to the next moment. It isn't just you wait till minute five and then something happens every minute until minute five something happens every frame something interesting happens right and and i think if you think about it like that it sort of frees you up and allows you to figure out what your inner voice is telling you and the story that you want to tell but like i said i i do think i i think a well-told story has a structure it's just a natural thing though it's like when you tell a joke if people who tell jokes well just they have a structure to them, and that's why they work. If you break it down, yeah, you could explain why it worked after the fact. But I don't think you can construct a joke based on that. It's just—it's instinct and it—and its spontaneity, um, its creativity at its best.
0: Gotcha. Well, I'm—I'm um, I'm curious. When you get frustrated with a writing project, do you ever think about Al Pacino's locker room speech in any given Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, wish,
1: I wish I could say I wrote that speech.
0: Oh, Okay, okay, sorry. <laughs>
1: but, but yes, I do. As a matter of fact, I do think of that speech.
0: Life is um, a game of inches.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, it's it's interesting. The the, the metaphors of that movie are true to to a lot of things. It's why it, it's why it was popular.
0: Yeah. But, sorry, I didn't. I didn't realize that you weren't the one who wrote it. <laughs>
1: it's yeah. it that. That's a very tangled one. Although I really, oh, okay. I love that. I love the movie. Yeah. Um,
0: great. And well, I, and I'm
1: proud to have had a part of it. To have, a, uh, to have done a part of it.
0: Great. Well, where can people um, find uh, information about you and your new book, uh, "Hole in the Ground," owned by a liar online?
1: Uh, I guess at my website www.danielpine.com, com or or my, uh, my alt website, www.sandblast.com, which is my uh, film company website. Okay. well, uh, that's probably that
0: Great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Daniel Pine, author of the new novel, A Hole in the Ground, Owned by a Liar, and it's available in bookstores now. Daniel, thanks for doing the interview. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to my latest podcast. If you have a chance, please leave a review of the podcast in iTunes. It only takes a moment. Until next time, read some good books and be well. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile
1: and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus,